This is Southern Tier Close-Up on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Southern Tier Close-Up, a weekly public affairs presentation of this station. It's been now oh, a few months, I think, since we talked to John Rizzoni from the Tri-Cities Opera. Um, gosh, what was it? The last time we were talking to you, it was that steampunk thing, right? Yeah, that was in September of 2020, so it's been more than a few months. Wow, I thought nice it was... To, uh... I thought it was toward the end of the year, really. It was September, yeah. We went up at the end of September. Isn't that but weird? It's really nice to be back. I'm excited. Haven't, it's, we still haven't recovered from nobody knowing what day it is or what time it is from last year, I swear to God. <laughs> what day is it? <laughs> but you know what's great, John, is, and I was thinking of you when I was hearing um, all the promising things in New York City about... Um, Broadway opening back up, which of course you just can't say, okay, you can open now. You, you know, obviously go through <laughs> through rehearsals and all that kind of stuff. But I, I started thinking of you and how we had talked last year about Tri Cities Opera and um, you know how difficult it is for a, especially a small opera company to uh, to get through on a regular year, let alone in a pandemic where you're limited with you know people getting in the seats. But I was thinking about you about, you know, now progress being made and there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. But the thing is, you guys have been so creative through the past year. You're right, Kathy. I mean, we've done, uh, we've we've kept working. You know, I felt that it was really important that we keep uh, the jobs at Tri-Cities Opera going uh, while, while we were living through this pandemic. And so we really did pivot. We leaned into collaboration with a lot of opera companies and also local organizations uh, and are working to, you know, to produce. And I'm thrilled to say that, you know, uh, we will be having our first live and in-person event coming up uh, on May 26th and 27th. Uh, We commissioned a new translation of the classic opera, The Elixir of Love, which is normally set in a vineyard, but we're setting it in a brewery in the current day. Uh, and we're doing that at the restart tent over at the firehouse stage, uh, which is just a, a huge resource uh, for the arts community right now. Uh, so it will be outside under a tent in a new English translation. And it's actually opera and beer, the elixir of love, uh, sort of an extension of our opera and beer franchise that sort of uh, takes away all the velvet curtain and the stuffiness that might be associated with opera and really allows the audience to enjoy an up-close and personal experience. Although, when I say up-close and personal, there will be 12 feet of distance <laughs> between the singers and the audience, as is necessary. Uh, but it's a really uh, a really fun new adaptation of this production that I think our audience is going to love. Well, the new and different and everything, it was amazing to see like the whole avatar thing that you guys did with with i mean seriously and and then when you were putting together that production there was the whole thing about still having to wear masks and and mm-hmm. having actors try to interact with each other it things are getting a little bit easier with vaccinations and with the testing and mm-hmm. and that but it it's still it's still different it is really different you know for this live production um we intend to have the singers unmasked uh, under the tent, but we are asking that the audience wear their masks. There will be a food and beverage component of the event, so uh, while they're not eating or drinking, they'll have to wear masks. 
And it really is about keeping everybody as safe as possible, you know, throughout our whole rehearsal process, even though uh, I believe actually the entirety of our cast and production team is vaccinated, uh, we will continue to wear masks in rehearsal to make sure everybody's safe if anybody's coming in and out or whatever. Uh, and then it will be the performances that are unmasked. Um, and, you know, this whole process uh, of masking and, uh, you know, Obviously, the operatic form, the singing, comes from the mouth. So when you cover that with a mask, it's pretty hard to do that. And so uh, we were able also to, we have two other projects that are coming up this month uh, that really developed out of the challenges of having sort of, uh, we didn't want to put any audiences at risk uh, because we need our singers to be unmasked. And so we leaned into some film projects, actually, also over the past six months that are really exciting adaptations of classic operas. So we've taken um, Aces and Galatea, which is like was the most popular Handel opera of its time when it was out, uh, and adapted that with our partners at Annapolis Opera and Out of the Box Opera to create uh, a film setting it in the present day um, in sort of this mythological love triangle uh, and Aces and Galatea love each other, but Polyphemus, the evil Cyclops, is like so into Galatea and wants his wants her for himself. And so we have this wonderful old school story, but sort of set in a modern setting. Uh, and then we're, we have a, a film of, of La Boheme, you know, the perennial opera classic. But our La Boheme is set in New York City right now during COVID. Uh, well, it was in winter, but during COVID. Um, it, uh, our cast is primarily Asian uh, and Asian-American, uh, and it really um, brings light to uh, some of the discrimination and hate that has uh, been present around uh, this pandemic. And so we've been able to not only do these compelling projects that are interesting updates of, of operas that our audience already knows and love, but also be able to sort of uh, use our platform as an opera company and as a charitable entity in our community to raise awareness about uh, about issues that affect affect all of us. That is fascinating. Before you brought that up, actually, I had on my little checklist, which is you know in my head, which is very scary. Um, that one of the things that I did want to talk to you about um, that I I rarely have brought up is mm-hmm. Tri-Cities Opera really has, over the years, been diverse. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the the nature of the beast, um, which you see with a lot of the larger opera companies, are just starting to get more diverse singers, persons mm-hmm. of color and, and different ethnic background. Same with ballet, but... Mm-hmm. My, you know, my experience with TCO over the years really has been a lot of the artists that have come into our studios here to talk. They're very young people and they are from all over the place. And I think that is one of the wonderful things about TCO. It really brings a, a, a more, I guess, colorful and and ex- different experiences to the world of opera. It's not sure. the stuffy old men and you know old ladies wearing the you know horns and everything that that maybe people still think of. Yeah, but, but it I hasn't think, been that know, way for years. That's fair. I, I appreciate that observation, Kathy. You know, our work around diversity, equity, and inclusion is still ongoing. 
I think we've always been uh, done our best to represent uh, on the stage, um, you know, diversity, the diverse array of talents among artists of every color. I mean, that's something that TCO has been committed to for a long time. Uh, and we are also working to, you know, take steps forward uh, in company leadership, in board leadership, uh, to, to make sure that our, um, our company reflects our community. That's an incredibly important uh, piece of what we do. Uh, and, you know, for a long time, uh, you know, Tri-Cities Opera, Opera in general, uh, there's, you know, there's a little elitism attached, a little, a lot of elitism attached to opera. And we've been breaking away from that for a long time. But I think, you know, it's, it's exciting uh, to be having these challenging conversations and look at how we can become a, a company that uh, is not, um, not here to be supported by the community, but rather a company that supports the community and earns earns a place because we're doing important work uh, that at the very least entertains, but maybe even more makes people think, uh, brings people uh, to the height of human emotion, allows for these glorious experiences, but really being of value to our community. Uh, and really to do that is to reflect our community. So that's a real focus of the future of TCO. One of the points is also the fact that I know you guys do a lot of stuff in the schools, and mm-hmm. the whole face of the young artists that are part of Tri-Cities Opera today is integral in going into those schools and showing all kids that this is an opportunity. This is something that is exciting. It's not stuffy. It's mm-hmm. These are young people that are like your, your big brothers and sisters' ages and stuff that are into this that are are exciting and this is an opportunity for them. One of the things that we have found in a number of industries and especially in the arts or in, actually in law enforcement too is you can't hire persons of color if and of diversity if they don't apply and they don't mm-hmm. apply for those jobs if they don't feel that they can get a foot in be Um, have their skills developed. And it is so great to see that you guys go into the schools and present this face to all children that this is a possibility and an opportunity that could be in their future. Thank you. Yeah, I think for us it's really important that we expose children to this art form early on, and not just opera as an art form, but the performing arts. And even as we've dug into digital programming for children over the past year, which we will continue next year, we've also really tried to uh, use the opportunity to display some of the the, um, the ways to be involved in the industry on, you know, behind the scenes, you know, the uh, costume shop, the scenic design. We've done little featurettes for students to check out so that, you know, even if you don't have the best voice in the world, there are ways to have, either a fulfilling experience creating opera, uh, but certainly also a fulfilling experience enjoying opera. And one of the things, you know, our educational tour is really about reducing barriers uh, and access and increasing access to opera. And we try to do that on a lot of different levels. So our uh, we have a vocal competition that we piloted last year that was a really great success, and that incorporated anonymous auditions. Uh, we have um, 
you know, we're looking, everything we've done so far this season uh, has been free, and we're looking at ways of keeping price points low uh, so that the widest variety of people can experience what we do. Uh, for me, it's really about, um, I believe that if people come through the doors, their minds will be blown about uh, how opera is different than what they thought it was. And, you know, this art form that may that may have been not for me, I'm using air quotes, not for me, becomes, wow, this is, this is wonderful. This is inspiring. This is uh, certainly, uh, you know, uh, saying something. This is emotive. This is glorious. Uh, and I think, I think just opera is so much more than the general public who is not familiar with the art form uh, thinks it to be. So I'm excited because these three projects we're doing this spring and actually everything we're doing all the time is really about helping people understand that opera is for them. Uh, and if you don't think it's for you, you just haven't seen the right one yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, absolutely. And a lot of people that you thought it was not for them, even in the traditional form, when you drag them to it, they went, oh, wow, it's not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about how people can participate, experience what we've got coming up in the month of May before we run out of time, so that uh, sure. so we don't you know have people going. Well, it sounded great, right. but you didn't tell me anything. <laughs> Fair. So we have uh, these three these three productions going up this month uh, on uh, from uh, May fourteenth through the twenty third. We'll have this Aces and Galatea, this mythological opera, and that will be streaming. Uh, and you can go to basically all of this information is at tricitiesopera.com, our website. Uh, there's a plethora of information there. But Aces and Galatea, again, streaming the 14th through the 23rd. Uh, we have um, the Elixir of Love going up live and in person at the Firehouse uh, Stage Restart Tent. Uh, and that is the 26th and the 27th. It's a Wednesday and a Thursday, right before Memorial Day weekend. Very excited about that. Uh, and then also on the 27th, uh, we'll be premiering La Boheme. And so all of those events, um, tickets and information about all of those events can be found at tricitiesopera.com. Uh, and again, like I'm just so excited for our audience uh, far and wide and also right here uh, in Binghamton uh, and Broome County to just see see what's possible when we get creative and when we work with wonderful partners. Um, this La Boheme, I mean, we did that. Uh, it's Tri-Cities Opera. It's a company from Hong Kong and a company, uh, Opera Omaha in Nebraska, which also collaborated with us uh, on Miranda, and then also Opera Columbus in Ohio. So, you know, we're coming together uh, to really work hard uh, and give great product, give great art to our audiences in this lean and challenging time. Isn't that funny uh, that that was something that would never have been even thought of before all this? You're totally right, Kathy. I mean, collaboration has been our savior. And and, uh, now that we know about it, it's like, why, you know, obviously we give up a little control. There's a little bit of this and that. But as we explore these relationships, we really develop a keen trust. And it turns out that the same people who uh, some of the sim- singers or former TCO alumni who worked at Tri-Cities Opera have also worked at these other companies. And we end up with, you know, a corpus of artists between these companies that we all know, trust, and believe in. Uh, and it, it's just, it's a really beautiful thing, honestly. Uh, and we're, yeah, we're excited to continue on that path. 
and someday we'll be back in the Forum Theater in that beautiful oh, so venue as I well. I will say right now, I know that we're running out of time, but we have two productions planned for the Forum next year, uh, one in the fall and one in the spring. So we will be back there. Uh, the first one, we're not entirely sure how much audience we'll have because the 100% capacity stipulation for Broadway, that actually stipulates as I understand it, that every single person in that capacity must be vaccinated. And so I'm not sure how, as a company, small company locally, uh, how we'll be able to manage that yet. We're still working on that. Uh, but we're hopeful for a large audience in the fall and an even larger audience in the spring. Well, we'll be talking to you again. Yeah, I'm <laughs> excited for it. <laughs> Thanks so much, John, for being my guest today. This has been the Southern Tier Close-Up, a weekly public affairs presentation of the station. This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. I'm Kathy White for the Southern Tier Close-Up. We're here with Home Plus.